Hello and welcome to the FSF Podcast Live Edition. Hello and welcome kids and cadets to the FSF Podcast. This is our tea time and we are talking about Spider-Man tonight. So of course Spider-Man had to make an appearance on the show. Very excited about that. Spidey-Ben. Hi, hello. Spidey-Ben. I mean, <laughs> it gets confusing because I'm technically a clone, but I thought I wasn't a clone, and the other one was a clone, but actually that was the... It could, we could go on this for hours. But anyway, hi, hello! <laughs> hi, yeah, hey, how, yeah, hi, hey, how are you? <laughs> Alright, so... Oh, uh, yeah, we are the show that gets asked to leave our masks on to avoid scaring the small children. I, I should have gotten my bag. I could have grabbed my bag and put my bag well, over my This isn't that bad. I, I know I when hide I shave, I look like filter. a child, but... <laughs> All right. I hide it behind uh, the but before we get into tonight's show, we need to say our thanks to our show partners, Level Up Sabres, TCTs, and Monkey Cult Coffee. It's really hard uh, to read with this thing on. There are so many show partners now. I'm so excited about this. I know, right? So, great. so our newest show partner and nerd merch supplier is TCTs. So TCTs, where fandom meets fashion. Star Wars, Marvel, Sasquatch, Doctor Who, Star Trek, yada, 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 thing and a thing and a thing and a, you guys know the world. Anyway, all available for you in a perfectly unique and nerdy design. Can I help you with something? Yes, your cat needs a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt. Your cat wants nerd merch. Yes, but you can remember to use code FSF15 at checkout. Seriously, Ernie, what is wrong with you? Do they make shirts in, like, quintuple XS? That way it can fit on, like, a small cat or dog? You know, I don't know, but they have kids merch, so I mean... I don't know. He would... That would be great. I need to get one for my dog. (laughs) He needs a a chunky cat size. Oh. Yes. Oh, well. All right, guys, this is also Monkey Cult Coffee. So Monkey Cult is your source for artisan and gourmet flavored coffees like toasted coconut rum. There is bourbon chocolate chip. And their newest flavor, which I have not tried yet and I am dying to try, is golden honey agave. And I'm very excited to try that one because now I figure if you can make me like toasted coconut, which I'm not a big fan of coconut, and actually look forward to drinking it, you're doing something right. And then on top of that, their bourbon chocolate chip is just freaking outstanding. It's wonderful coffee. Um, and they also have whole bean options in uh, Sumatran and something else for you uh, to be able to look at. I forgot what the other whole bean option is. Uh, but yeah, use code FSF10 at the checkout and ignore that Starbucks lady and go for the monkey cult. Join the cult. <laughs> right. Go away from the sirens. Starbucks right. isn't that good anyway. Exactly. I I do have to get some of the the new agave one in the whole bean because we got an espresso maker. And ooh, that would be so nice. Anyway, there you go. more nerd stuff. Level up sabers. Uh, the only saber guaranteed better than a stick uh, with a whole bunch of... Oh, God. It is really hard to read with these. <laughs> and I'm not wearing my glasses underneath. Uh... <laughs> I do have smaller glasses. I didn't put them on for some reason. Okay. Uh, They have a whole bunch of screen-accurate sabers along with custom sabers. Really strong, really durable. I have personally uh, strength-tested a lot of these without meaning to, if you catch my drift. Uh, 
But be sure to find your perfect youngling remover, I mean, lightsaber, uh, at Level Up Sabers. There you go. Oh, goodness. So buying through our link in the show notes helps support our show. And links for our show partners can be found in the show notes and the comment section. Guys, do the things. Buy the stuff. It It is the time of gift giving. Buy gifts for your friends. That's right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Nothing could uh, be better than wearing nerdy merch while drinking your coffee and, you know, beating someone with something better than a stick. Who doesn't want exactly. a lightsaber for Christmas? Uh, Grand says, and scaring us older sci fi fans, too. Well, you're probably not wrong there. Uh, yes. Go Lions. Exactly. Guns for and... Christmas are a thing of the past. It's lightsabers, no? <laughs> there you go. And put the lime in the coconut. Shake it. All right. Uh, we also want to remind you to do what the bottom of the screen says and click like and subscribe if you haven't already, please. Your subscription here on YouTube is a huge help for us. It continues to help us grow, get some amazing content each and every week for you guys to be able to check out on Friday mornings when each one of our interviews comes up. And if you want to see those interviews earlier, you can check us out on Patreon. We have five different levels of subscription for you. From $1 to $40, you get uh, early access to all the interviews, you get behind-the-scenes content, and there's bonus nerd merch that you can't get anywhere else that comes free with certain levels of subscription. So check that all out on our Patreon channel, and of course, that link is below. But Spidey, hi. we have somebody else waiting for us? Absolutely. We have the ever-so-talented voice artist, uh, Andrew Morrison, in the back, so let's... Uh... Let's let's pull him out. Let's say hi. <gasps> <laughs> I w- right now I wish I was in a Spider-Man suit so I could do the thing too because not only did I love that in the last Spider-Man movie, but okay, but in the in across the Spider-Verse as well, that whole scene I about fell out of my chair laughing. See, that's yeah. the thing. It's it's not just a suit, it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. You know what's sad is I have absolutely nothing Spider-Man at all. You don't have a single... I don't really? have a single Literally Spider-Man. the most popular superhero. Spider-Man is more popular than Superman. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm more of an Ant-Man guy myself, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't like to toot my own horn, you know? Like to keep I mean, buying your own merch is a little awkward, especially when you don't get any of the, like, the royalties. Or right, they all go to the city of New York. Well, you know, as James a dealer, you're never supposed to get high on your own supply. So, you know, oh. there's that. And never invest in a spider-themed restaurant. <laughs> right. Uh, Granzier says, I'm a coffee snob, but that not that much of a coffee snob. You know, doesn't really care for Starbucks. Uh, and he says, new subscriber. Thank you, by the way, for that. Subscri- your subscription and your comments on our, our channel. Welcome! Days. Hello. And first time commenter. Glad to have you here. And uh, yeah, if you're a coffee snob, check out uh monkey cult coffee it is chef's kiss you don't need to be a coffee snob to appreciate it it's just very very good uh let's see john says i'm still trying to financially recover from the last time kathleen's wanted starbucks it was not that bad she has no spidey merch but she has a harley quinn coffee i get that yeah (laughs) i mean it's red and black red and blue it's kind of similar i I thought about using the deadpool coffee mug just because of the jokes that would have been probably more appropriate honestly (laughs) It was dirty, and I didn't feel like it. It was a, It's at least you know adjacent. Same same universe. And I do actually know that Deadpool, when little kids would say he was Spider Man, would pretend that he was Spider Man. Mm-hmm. 
So at least I have that much knowledge. He also has a deep respect for Spider-Man and refuses to know the secret identity. That's true. Like, there was a point where Deadpool had to put on Spider-Man's costume and, like, blindfolded himself to take off the mask so he wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, you gotta like that. Deadpool's He's a weird dude, but you gotta respect it, you know? This is true. Weird is good. We like weird. I'm sorry, Andrew. You can see your mouth through the costume, and it's yeah. so, like... Oh, this is the so, one I like... Uncanny this... Valley Spider-Man kind of. See, this is the suit I wear for the ladies. <laughs> it's the Spidey lingerie. I get that. Yeah. And John, uh... there we go. So, uh, do your webs come out of anywhere else, or? <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, we're not going to get into the multiverse of madness with that with that logic. All right, uh, Andrew, real quick, why don't you tell everybody about you and um, uh, your awesome podcast, The VoiceOver Coffee Shop. Uh, thanks. Hi, my name is Andrew Morrison, and I am a professional voice actor. I also host a podcast called The VoiceOver Coffee Shop, where we sit and we have coffee, and it's not fan service. We talk about what actually goes behind the smoke and mirrors of what voice actors do. From Bob Bergen, who's voiced Porky Pig, to Bill Farmer, who's a good friend of mine, who has voiced Goofy. I, I have it's, it's wonderful. We just sit and have coffee and talk about what voice actors actually do. It's actually a, a ton of fun. I'm a subscriber to the channel. I listen to all the episodes. And uh, frankly, even if you're not a voice actor, there's a lot of cool behind-the-scenes stories that they talk about and things that are happening and how they got into it and why they do what they do and so I enjoy it. So yeah, go and check them you, out. It's, it's good and if you'd like, if you'd like to see the face behind the voice actors, we also have it on YouTube. There you go. All right, and uh, down in the show notes down below, you'll find information about Andrew and his voiceover coffee shop. So give him a little Ooh, thank there you, and, and go check them out. Highly recommended. Highly, highly recommended. Thank, thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. So our topic for tonight, as you may have seen, we have a couple Spideys with us. So and obviously we going... we're talking about Darth Vader. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, clearly. clearly, who else would we the talk most about? Influential supervillain ever. I mean, we could. Darth Vader. I mean, we, we could, could totally talk about to that. Yeah. We could talk about anything over a cup of multi uh, monkey cult coffee. That's there you go. This it's is tea time. From there, we have tea. That's coffee some of us your show. Drink. Yes. <laughs> some of us can drink. I can't. Look, I'm just trying to shout out your sponsors, okay? <laughs> and well, much hey, maybe appreciated. We, maybe we can get them on your show, too. There we go. Can I drink this? this so, uh, yeah. So, tonight's topic is yes, the many masks of Spider-Man. We're going to talk about Spider-Man uh, from both an actual costume setting, but also what that costume may represent and and how it affects the character of the person underneath the costume as well. So I'm actually really excited about tonight's conversation. And uh, so, yeah, so let's get into it. Let's talk about the many masks of Spider-Man. So the first the first conversation point we have is we want to talk about how the Spider-Man, whether we're talking about Peter Parker or Miles Morales or whatever version of Spider-Man in the multiverse we're talking about, um, are all Spidey. They have the masks that cover their face, but it also affects the relationship. Spider-Man runs toward danger. Miles and Peter run away from danger. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's one of those very difficult things when it comes to you know with great power comes great responsibility. Is you have this power, you have a responsibility to protect people with it, but that also means sacrificing your personal life for it. Right. But then you have the whole like, okay, I have a responsibility to these people to save them, but I also have a responsibility to my loved ones to save them. They don't know the person behind them. Well, sometimes they do, depending on the comic you're reading. But for the most part, it just seems like you as a person are completely abandoning them, whereas Spider-Man, or if it's uh, Ghost Spider with Gwen Stacy, some like someone saves the day, but it's never you technically. And see, right. I think it has had um, as far as like the Peter and Miles running away from danger. I think that's dual purpose there, because one we saw in um, the Holland version of Spider-Man what happened when his identity got released. It became a mm-hmm. global crisis and so avoiding that and avoiding the danger to go put on the suit to make sure that your family is not in danger to make sure the people you care about and to make sure the security of your identity is held is is incredibly important to the responsibility of spider-man now the other side of it is most of the running from danger they did was when they were first adopting themselves from being a high schooler to being the responsible person for Taking care of data. So before that point, they were always the person being bullied. They were always the person getting in trouble. They were always the person that somebody was after. And so they weren't used to being equipped with the ability to defend themselves. And so their instinct was to run from that danger and, and to preserve. And so I think that's where you start to see them becoming more swift with putting on the suit, more swift with having the suit on them, more adapting towards having the instinct of I'm the savior and not the victim this time. So do you think that they keep that up later once, once they've adapted because that's how everybody knows them is as somebody who's maybe a little bit more meek, a little bit more mild, who's going to shy away from the danger as they've grown, they've learned to face the danger. You see, right. As, as Spidey, but in their personal, in their personal, they need to grow personally in order to be able to face danger as well. Because they're only being their personal. I actually have a different thought on that. Is, I mean, you see in flashbacks before, like, Peter or Miles got their powers, they were always that person. Just because they didn't have the power doesn't mean the person was different. I mean, there are tons of flashbacks of Peter in, like, middle school standing up to people, standing up to Flash, and things like that. But... The this well, is where true. the okay. many masks of Spider-Man includes the person behind the mask. Puny Parker is a mask. So when they go, oh no, Doc Ock's attacking, Peter Parker's gonna run away, mm-hmm. that's a fake version of Peter. The real person is this. When they put okay. on the Spidey mask, that's when they are the their truest self, if that makes sense. Okay, I'll get with that simply on the basis of this past weekend. So knowing that we were we were going to be doing this, I sat down and I started uh, binging all the Spider-Man movies, the the live action movies. Mm-hmm. 
And so I went through the Toby movies and I went through the Garfield movies and I was getting ready to start on the on the Tom Holland movies. And one of the things I appreciated most, I think, about the Andrew Garfield movie is exactly what Ben just talked about. Uh, In his movie, you see him standing up to Flash, uh, you know, when the kid is out in the uh, the out in the the outside the school eating lunch and doesn't want to eat something and Flash is, you know, trying to make him eat it and be a bully and all these things and. And then uh, he calls him Eugene and gets his butt mm-hmm. kicked for it. But, you know, it got him to stop picking on the other kid. And see, in in the the, the the three main actors that have played the live-action Spider-Man, that's kind of the trend that I've noticed, is that Tobey Maguire was an amazing Spider-Man, and he was an mm-hmm. okay Peter Parker. Andrew, Andrew was an okay Spider-Man, but he was a really good Peter. I mean, he was a okay Peter Parker, but he was a really good Spider-Man and he was really good at embracing the Spider-Man of him. And so that's what I really liked about Tom Holland is he was a really good balance between the two where he had that Uh Peter Parker personality and quippy yet timid yet playful yet all these things, but he had the flexibility and, and the, the save all, all the different things that we know and love about Spider-Man. Yeah. I do like, and that's one of the things I did appreciate about Andrew Garfield's version is I love, and I guess I didn't really recognize this the first time going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I paid a little bit more attention to it this weekend, but, you know, obviously because we we're going to have this discussion tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. But I noticed how much more I appreciated him as uh, Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, because it was like his sarcasm went from here to up to here. Mm-hmm. And I... his his sense of humor and the quips were just once you put the mask on, we're just flying out. I will always say, no matter what, unless some miraculous thing happens that there's a, like a fourth Spider-Man and this one's even better, Andrew Garfield is always going to be my favorite because he's the only funny Spider-Man. Toby has like like three jokes that he says throughout the entirety of the thing. Mm-hmm. He's a very serious Spider-Man, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Tom is quirky and awkward and still trying to figure out who he is because mm-hmm. he's a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, at least that's the character. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, like, the moment he shows up, it's like, is that a knife? Oh no, my one weakness, small knives. Yeah. I'm like, that's Spider-Man. That's Spider-Man. <laughs> well, that so you have, laugh out loud. You, yeah. you also have to understand that Tom Holland's Spider-Man was facing global problems, not city oh, problems. Yeah. And so, of course, right. with bigger problems comes a new kind of humor. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield I, was good at that personal humor, but I think that's where Tom Holland shined at being an overall good Spider, which is why he made an amazing Avengers Spider-Man. That the way I don't, that I, I don't think it, Garfield could fit that seat. Exactly, I have the same opinion. The way I see it is, you have Tobey Maguire is. The amazing. I know it's going to sound weird because Andrew Garfield's the Amazing Spider-Man. Toby is based more on the Amazing Spider-Man. Andrew mm-hmm. is based more on Spectacular Spider-Man, mm-hmm. whereas Tom is the Avenging Spider-Man. Right. He never got a chance to be, you know, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He started out. I think Miles as an Avenger fit the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man best. Oh. Absolutely. What what I loved about the Spider-Verse is it gave huge perspective on both the down-home 
protecting my neck of the woods Spider-Man versus having to attack a multiverse of threats Spider-Man. I believe he balanced that very, very well, especially when parts of his personal life ended up becoming his work life. I think I, there was this well, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Especially since I 100% agree that Miles is the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man because Miles Morales was a friendly member of the neighborhood before he even got bit. Whereas Peter was kind of like separated from it, but only Spider-Man was the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Peter did some things, but I mean, for the most part, any community interaction that happened was because of Aunt May. Right. His His detachment was the reason Venom was able to take hold so quickly. Exactly. Meanwhile, in the comics, when Venom goes after Miles, Venom has nothing to grab onto. Mm-hmm. Like, Venom full-on says, like, I can't really do anything to this kid. Like, there's nothing for me to latch onto. He's got a good family life. He's a member of the community. He loves being Spider-Man. He does. There's some, like, bad moments, but for the most part, like, there are so many arcs in Peter's run where he's like, I hate life, get rid of the mask. But then Miles, I don't think there's ever been a moment where he's like, been that low. He's hidden behind the mask a couple of times when things oh, yeah. got too, too crazy, but he's never given up the mask. Exactly. He's there's never, never given up the... the mask, nor himself. Yeah, there's never yes. been a scene where like he's walking away from the trash can with his suit in the like behind him. And there's never been moments where there's there's a run kind of right before the Ben Riley clone arc mm-hmm. where Peter Parker loses Aunt May. His entire life is being destroyed by the Green Goblin again. And his personal life is just gone. So he's like, screw it. I'm no longer Peter. I'm no longer Spider-Man. I'm just the spider. And he tries to dehumanize himself. Mm-hmm. Miles has never gotten that bad, I don't think. It's interesting that you bring that up because so in in each of the the Toby movies, well, in the Toby mm-hmm. movies, he does, you know, of course, he pitch the suit uh cuz he's going to walk away from it and, you know, because he's he's seeing the the danger that he's bringing inherently into his into his life. In the Andrew movies, he doesn't ditch the suit, but he considers it and he tries pushing Gwen Stacy away. You know, um, because of I mean, the he does he ditch the suit. Like he doesn't like throw it out, but at the end of the second movie, there's like a solid, almost a year where Spider-Man just disappears. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, I don't mean. Yeah, but he he didn't throw away the suit. Is what I was yeah. getting at. He, you know, because you had mentioned that specifically. Like that was the, there's that a, was a force statement. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That was a global threat. That if he didn't step away from the cameras for a year, then bad things were going to happen to people he loved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting, you know. And then in comparing that to the Spider Verse movies, you know, because I don't have, I don't have most of my knowledge is is cinematic. I, I have very shallow knowledge of of the comics. So you know, you're over here talking about this comic and that comic. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Okay, yeah. Well, then let's talk about Man Spider, which is a high. Oh no. Spiders that come together to fill no, no, a no. Spider-Man suit. No, no, no. That's Spider's Man. Spider- no, the man spider, spider is what happens during the mutagenic arc of the 90s comic 
where Spider-Man becomes a Spider-Man. Like six arms, giant mandibles and venom glands and everything. You're thinking Spiders Man, where Peter Parker falls into a vat of radioactive spiders and yep. they somehow gain his consciousness. His consciousness. Yep. It gets so weird. It gets super weird. <laughs> Love it. Okay. All right. Um, I want to see a cinematic version of that. <laughs> Kathleen's I mean, just over I, here like, I don't know what I got myself into, but I'm listening. It's like, yep. I'm is, enjoying it, though. This is so Now you made me conscious of being able to see my mouth, and now I feel like I'm like the epic movie version of Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, do you want it? No, no, no. You're Rick Rap. I'm Rick <laughs> I'm so happy. Do you know who that is? Yes. Okay. I'm Tim and Kathleen, for the both of you who have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. So there was a run where Peter Parker Spider-Man gets thrown into hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And finds a, a little, like, imp demon that is so weak and powerless and pointless that he's like, ah, oh, do nothing. And then this little demon imp finds Peter Parker and gets so much love and respect for him. He's like, I'm going to be a superhero just like him. Mm -hmm. Goes to another demon, makes a deal, gets basically Spider-Man superpowers, and goes from this little thing to just a massive, almost like half a Hulk, half a Spider-Man. Yep. But their skin looks like the Spider-Man suit, so they have like a mouth mm -hmm. and teeth, and they it's smile and it's Yep. There's Recrap. Yep, yep, and yep. Recrap is Parker backwards. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole joke. So not only that, okay. but when Spidey's webs go thwip, his go thwomp. <laughs> so every time he shoots a web, it just goes thwomp, thwomp. <laughs> he looks like a Spider-Man in a Ninja Turtle fused. A person whose body is made of tens of thousands of little spiders makes notes for like, oh. <laughs> oh, great. We're going to find that in our Star Wars game. Uh, yeah, that's lovely. Uh, Grand Zero asks, what about the early 80s Spider-Man cartoon? Did you enjoy that? Yes. Oh, that was sudden. Mm -hmm. Well, hang on. Which one are we talking about? Every single decade, there is at least two or three Spider-Man shows going on all at once. If you're talking about Spider-Man the Animated Series, that I would say that is kind of 80s to 90s. Or are you talking about Spider-Man and his amazing friends, where it's yes. Spidey, uh, oh, what's her name? Firestar, something like that? And then Iceman, all living as roommates. Yes. And that's okay. what I watched when I was a kid. And now there's Spidey and his amazing friends as well, but it's... Different. Yeah. That was in uh, 1981. That I mean, version fair, of Spider-Man I'm familiar with because it's one of my daughter's favorite shows. I actually really like that version. Like the, the newer like chibi 3D Spider-Man is Amazing Friends. Because this is also the first time that Marvel has fully committed to Ben Grimm, the thing, being Jewish. Mm -hmm. There, I think there's like a Rosh Hashanah episode where they have to help Ben Grimm do something. And I thought that was great. That is pretty cool. It is also weird because, technically speaking, Peter Parker is also Jewish and receives a hand-drawn Hanukkah card from Ben Grimm every year. That's cool. You can look it up online for the, the Ben Grimm Hanukkah card, and he sends it out to the only, like, 
three Jewish heroes of Peter Parker, Moon Knight. Oh god, there's one more. Who am I thinking of? What was that, Mimi? Kitty Pride. There we go. My wife uh, bailed me out on that one. <laughs> awesome. Yay. So there's, despite almost all of Marvel being made by Jewish men, there are only like four canonically Jewish characters. So, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest with the current Spidey and his amazing friends, honestly, what, like, really got me about it with my very limited knowledge of Spider-Man was the the day that my daughter was watching it, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I know that voice. As the, the theme song's going, I'm like, I know that! That's Fallout Boy! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that is 100% a thing. <laughs> like, wait a second! So then, I was more interested in it, because fallout boy got my attention but you'd be surprised how many like like mid-2000s bands make theme songs oh yeah like simple plan did what's, what's new scooby-doo Scooby mm-hmm. um bowling for soup does the Phineas and ferb theme song yep and then you got yep. fallout boys doing this uh oh yeah they're yep yeah. wonderful so, show i want to i want to make a, a point about this uh this show in particular well, both actually, both of them, uh, uh, Spider-Man his, and his amazing friends, and Spider-Man the, uh, the animated series. So, in a, a shameless plug for our show, we've had the opportunity to from Spider-Man his amazing friends. We've interviewed Pat Fraley, who played the Gamesman. We've interviewed um, uh, Bob Bergen, who was Bartow. Neil Ross, who was Cyberlad. Michael Bell, who was Doc Ock. Um, and then, of course, Neil Ross uh, in the animated series was the Green Goblin. So, mm-hmm. and Bob Bergen was also Bucky. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we also did an interview with uh, Beast. Dan Pavelmeyer. Oh, um, from the '90s X-Men. Beast. Why is my brain blanking on? Sorry, it's. I haven't been on alive in a while, so my brain just died. Uh, yes, George. God. Who's uh, a Wait, did Who's nobody a, get did yeah. nobody get Ben the script? Hold on, I think I have it. <laughs> we have the script, but it's literally just our sponsors. This and then, guy! there we go. And technically, there we go, that guy. The '90s X-Men were also in the '90s Spider-Man during yeah. the, See, like... the mutagenic arc, which was so great because there was a whole episode where Spider-Man and Beast like they had a heart to heart, and then everything went to hell real quick. All right. So let's let's go back to the actual the actual topic of Spider-Man. <laughs> Why mean, would we, we do could... that? We never stick to our topic. Well, we just I'm... talk about ourselves so much. It... Yeah, yeah. So pretty much. I literally learned how to read through Spider-Man comics. So oh, that's a cool. Sorry. Th- this yeah. is there's a reason I have a lot of random information and also so so in love with every iteration of the character. John says the '90s animated Marvel shows were the original MCU, and they were great. And he's not oh, they were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I did technically watch the '90s Spider-Man. It was just forever ago. It's also funny because the '90s Spider-Man was so popular they used it as a backdoor pilot for several other TV shows. Mm-hmm. The Iron Man animated series. They were planning on doing Captain America as well, but at that point they got their. Uh, rights bought out by someone else and they couldn't do it anymore 
But this is why the last season of the animated Spider-Man is just a whole bunch of random one-off episodes with other heroes. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, John says, in an interesting coincidence, I learned to read from Batman comics. There you go. There you go. That's pretty cool. All right. So back to Spider-Man. Uh, the Mask of Humor. Uh, you know, we look at how Spider-Man handles humor. He could be scared. He could be depressed. But he's still making jokes to deal with a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think trauma makes good jokes. Oh, it's it's the <laughs> best source of comedy. Trauma mm-hmm. and depression. Those are the oh, two yeah. things you need to be funny. It's a special, special form of humor. If you can't make, yeah. Uh, dark humor is my speciality over the last about five years. So I was already pretty good at it. But the last five years have really helped just really just top it off. But also, if you make oh, the yeah. jokes, then nobody else can. Well, there's also Look- that. Plus, if you think about anybody within that age bracket, I mean, industry hazards aside, when anybody within that age bracket goes to work, they enjoy like making fun out of what they do because it it makes work worth doing. And so I think those quips are kind of Spider-Man's way of being like, oh, punch, 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 blah, blah. Okay, done with work. Like, I want to have some fun here. Let's put on my my beats while I'm swinging and then listen to some music and let's make some funny jokes when I go beat some dudes up. Literally just Tom Holland Spider-Man with Thanos is just magic with a punch. Magic with a kick. Magic with a punch. Magic again. (laughs) (laughs) It's also... When you make a joke out of it, it is, like, talking specifically about that scene, this is a, not just a world-ending Avengers-level threat, this is a universe-ending catastrophe waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. If you don't make a joke about it, all that stress, all that dark, all those just, we're gonna fail thoughts, are gonna pop to the surface. You gotta slam those down with really terrible dad jokes the whole time, or you're not gonna be able to function. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm curious. So, because of his healing properties, do antidepressants work? Um, I actually, that's a good question because we know alcohol doesn't work. Right. So, Uh, do antidepressants work? Alcohol, alcohol does work. But it's like you take a shot and you are drunk, and then like 20 minutes later, it's gone. Because it's super adaptability, right? So that's why I'm saying any kind of medicine he would have to take on a consistent basis, his body would adapt to it and he wouldn't be able to use it. It, It's actually not adaptability, it's metabolism. So he would, he's just metabolizing through it. Peter Parker, when he got bit by the spider, Aunt May said that their grocery bill went up by like five times. Because he's just. It's also a teenager. That's what she attributed it to, but when he's 30-some-odd years old, just downing 12 pizzas. Michael Phelps over there. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But it's that's a good question. I don't know if he would be able to metabolize through it, or if he'd like just get so adapted to it too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't but think he'd be able he's, to. He's Peter Parker. He doesn't have insurance. He doesn't have money for, for antidepressants. Right. Well, I mean, no, I, would think that if I would think if your body's going to metabolize that quickly on anything, that it's not going to be able to maintain any medicine that you're going to put in. Like Ben was saying, it's right. it's you, you'd have to be constantly taking it. So if you're supposed to, like the normal human, is supposed to take it once a day, 
Uh-huh. He'd probably have to take it, what, five, six times a day? You'd have to pop that with Tic Tacs. Yeah, just, you know. But also, if his metabolism's that fast, wouldn't his his body's own ability to make serotonin then hopefully increase as well? Have you not seen the movies? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay, never mind then. The dude, <laughs> the dude is going through it literally every day. If he's not getting beat up by Doc Ock, Electro, Green Guy, like any of his villains, if Rhino is not plowing through his apartment building, then he's getting fired. His girlfriend is breaking up with him. He doesn't have money. He doesn't there have his girlfriend no, get her head smashed into the pavement, too. There is no amount of serotonin that can be naturally produced that can deal with that. Yeah, that's true. And at what point, when your body's producing that much serotonin, does it no longer have the effect of being that much serotonin? Exactly. <laughs> Going to serotonin syndrome. And <laughs> totally what different. we actually need to do is just put like Peter Parker into a machine just to constantly suck out the serotonin from his body because he's mass producing it. And then that's how we make more antidepressants. We just put mm. Spider-Man in like a back to tank. Oh, but it was weird when I wanted to have Deadpool be used for organ donation. Well, that was actually your kids and get your Spidey juice. You would, very, you would have very radioactive organs over there. I was going to say, because um, isn't there the whole one of the universes where he ends up marrying Mary Jane and then she gets cancer from radiation poisoning? Look, that was a really weird run that I do not like talking about. Because technically, yes. Mm -hmm. But yeah. they address that in the main Marvel universe saying that he's no longer radioactive because of that metabolism. He burned through like the half-life of that radioactive spider bite was so quick that within like an hour he was completely like there was nothing left of the uh, radioactivity. Not like uh, Madame Curie's notebooks that they still have a timer on them. Mm -hmm. I think it's another, it's another hundred <laughs> years before they can open it. Keep them in a lead-bound thing, yeah. But yeah, they're in yeah, like yeah. they're inside lead glass, and there's a Geiger counter next to them, and. <laughs> They're oh, just geez. waiting for it to just be like... They, they are literally waiting for it to be safe so they can open it and look through it. Wow. God, discovered so that. much that we literally cannot figure out. And she's in a lead-lined coffin. Like, mm -hmm. and she would is pollute be, the ground with so much she radioactivity. Will be, she will be dangerous to be around for the next like 150 years still. I've been known oh, to have that effect on people. <laughs> Which is also funny, because in the comics, when this is where pronunciation gets weird, it, it's either, depending on who you are, it's either Morloon or Morlun, one of the inheritors. Morloon. When he, you go by Morloon? Morloon. I'm mixing them together. Okay, there you go. Uh, Making it more complicated. Uh, yeah. But he's basically a multi-dimensional vampire that eats the spider totems. We're going to get real wibbly-wobbly with this right now. Yowzer. So the spider totems... A little timey-wimey, okay. Timey -wimey basically, stuff. you all know the concept of Spider-Verse. In almost mm -hmm. every dimension, there is a spider that maintains the connection of the web of light. Mm -hmm. These vampires go after that. Now, the thing is, the universe will always correct itself and create a new spider totem. If the, the original spider, like, dies. Sounds like a buffet. That's exactly the point. But they are 
like vampires, they need to constantly feed. The 616 Spider-Man is the only one to have ever defeated Morloon because of that radioactive spider bite. So many others are by magic or crazy demon pacts or just happen to do certain things or they're just born with that. They're a mutant. With Peter Parker, when he found out that the radioactivity could hurt him, he intentionally like almost blew himself up by getting a, the equivalent of a nuclear radioactive explosion inside of himself and then let Morloon bite him, which poisoned him, and then he had to run back to his home dimension to heal. Huh. Stranger things have happened. But then literally within like <laughs> four hours, Aunt May showed up to say hi to Peter, and the radioactivity was gone. Like, he burns through it that quickly. Interesting. Actually, no, actually, yeah, that was another thing that was brought up in another comic, where the power of the Hulk was transferred to Peter Parker because he's susceptible to radioactive energy, like Gamma. Okay. There's a lot I could go in on, but anyway. I'm noticing. All right, so It's almost like question. my entire life is built around Spider-Man. Would not have noticed, not even a little bit. There's there's worse things, Ben. The there's name didn't things. give you away. Yeah, the Ben. Yeah, the to name Ben Riley. Ben Riley. Yeah, totally didn't give it away. All right, so quick question for you: With the movie that's coming up, Madam Web, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, have you seen the trailers for it? I have oh, not. Oh boy! Oh boy! I have opinions. I have I so opinions. many opinions. You share. We have time for it, opinion. It looks like a fan movie or it looks like a cw like tv show that they're giving a commercial for like i don't I want that. it to exist uh, the especially since they showed off madam webb the other four women are the other four spider women that exist throughout most of uh marvel's main universe of 616 mm -hmm. they make no mention of who they are at all. Like, you have no knowledge of who these people are until, like, quick split-second scenes at the end of the trailer where you're like, oh, that's Arachne. Oh, that's Spider-Woman. What? Who were these people? <laughs> they didn't say any okay. names. They didn't give any, like, nothing. And the fact okay. that the main villain is Ezekiel. Ezekiel is the actual Spider-Totem for Earth-616. Like, he was Spider-Man before Peter was even born. Because Ezekiel, by the time we find him in the comics, Ezekiel's like 70, something like that. Or is he like older? I actually don't even know. He's old. Maybe that's because they're about to go into the story of the spider totems. Well, that's the whole point of Madam Web is she's connected to the web of life. Mm -hmm. She can see past, future, travel between dimensions, and helps individual spider totems. If you've seen the 90s animated series, this is where most people got introduced to the Spider-Verse and Madam Web. Right. Right, I remember her from the animated series. But it's just, I have no idea what they're doing, because they're doing an offhand run that they did in the comics, where Madam Web went from like this like decrepit ancient looking woman to suddenly she's in her twenties. And that's right. Fine. That's where 
And that's but, where I was kind of lost. That's why I was asking you about it because my knowledge of of, of Madam Web is from the animated series, and she looked like she died three years ago and forgot to fall over, and mm-hmm. now it's uh, now it's uh, uh, being played by uh, Dakota Johnson, who is much younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so uh, and Granzier says we got to get the Spider Man jingle here. Actually, if you go back to the beginning of the when you wa- watch the replay, uh, Kathleen and I may have sang it earlier um, we did spider ben at least we, yeah we did spider ben so yeah so there's that yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah uh let's see i actually uh, totally off topic. Doing... <laughs> ben needs oh, to be spidey in a fan film i've legitimately forgotten that i know the guy behind the mask a few times tonight he's he's not wrong uh the 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 hand motions the 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 way you sit there the way you and moving and everything, yeah. Help yeah, you're right. you're out Spider Maning me by far, dude. That's actually a thing I had to no, learn. So a lot of what we know as like interacting with people comes from our facial expressions. I don't have the automatic squinty eyes of Tom Holland, so to That's true. adjust for that, I have to over exaggerate everything I do. I'm also using a technique used by Andrew Garfield where I'm tilting my mask in certain ways. So if I tilt it like this, this one looks, by the way, this one looks a little closed, this one looks a little open, so it's almost like a squint. And if I tilt it down, it looks more aggressive, more like angry eyes. If I tilt it up, it's more open and more surprised. So that's why I'm moving around like that. You might have a little bit of issue because you got like, I'm, I'm super exaggerated eyes. I've got Wolverine going on over here. <laughs> but it's also people can see your face. You don't need to do the over-exaggerated movements. But this is another thing they do in the Spider-Verse movies is when they have the mask on, you can see them like do really exaggerated stuff. Like when Gwen meets Miguel and she's like, oh, you're from another dimension? Really? See, I feel like I'm more exaggerated like, motions. I feel like I'm more in like the handmade suit that Toby Maguire made before he went fighting. Like, bone saws ready. Bone saw. I got you in here for three minutes. Three minutes. Oh god, that destroyed my throat. <laughs> it normally wouldn't, right. but this is incredibly tight. <laughs> All right, let's, let's hit one one last uh, topic point here because one of them we've kind of been hitting, weaving in and out of the rest of the the conversation. Um, but let's talk about the mantle of responsibility, at, along with that being the weight of the world. What what Spider Man has to face, whether it's the friendly neighborhood Spider Man version or the avenging Spider Man version, how does that mantle of responsibility affect Spider Man, Peter Parker, Miles Morales? It crushes him. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't matter if it's Peter, Miles, Gwen, Miguel, Ben. It doesn't matter who the spider is, because it's not just the weight of the world as Spider-Man. It's the weight of the world as the person behind the mask, too. Right. If you're saving the day from Doc Ock, you missed Aunt May's birthday. If you go to Mary Jane's dress rehearsal you accidentally let Shocker rob a bank. There's no winning, and that's the weight of the world, that it's not just one world. You're juggling everything. Right. But no matter what, 
you have that responsibility. And that's another thing that I liked about Tom Holland Spider-Man is in parts where people had to learn not to be so reluctant. Tom Holland from the get-go was very, it's my job to deal with this. I'll ask questions about the consequences later. Mm-hmm. And that's a very like young Spider-Man mentality. Mm-hmm. Just, I'll deal with that in a minute. I gotta yep. do... It's the... There was a, there was a quote that Brennan Lee Mulligan... Uh, said, I don't remember where he got it, but he was like, I keep putting out these fires when I should be focusing on building a fireproof house. And he's like, and I'll get to that once I put out all these fires. Yep. <laughs> and that's the young Spidey mentality. If instead of building a system where this won't happen, you're just going to keep stamping out the little fires that keep popping up along the way. Okay. Is there a system where that wouldn't happen? What would that system look like? You actually get a lot of this in the... Uh, oh, what's the... Big Time. Spider-Man Big Time, right before Superior Spider-Man. Peter is working for Horizon Labs and then eventually makes his own company of Parker Industries. He's giving supervillains jobs. He took out Shocker, he took out Electro by giving them jobs. So now they're not being supervillains. Now Electro and like, uh, oh, what was the name of the... I don't remember. the. It's like a D-list supervillain that Spidey has fought like three times. But he was about to rob a bank and it wasn't Spidey... Like, Spider-Man didn't stop this guy. Peter Parker showed up and said, hey, I know who you are. You just got out of jail. No one's giving you a break. Here's my card. Show up tomorrow and I will give you a job. Like, two-thirds of his villains ended up working for him. And that okay. was great. And then everything got messed up because of Superior Spider-Man. Doc Ock took control of Parker's body. And granted, I loved the Superior Spider-Man run. But he literally undid all the things that Peter was doing to set himself up so he didn't have to stomp out little fires. Okay. So the key to saving the city is give the villains health insurance. Society makes the criminal. That's I mean, true. think about it. Look at the That's stories. True. Like, look at Sandman. Mm -hmm. He only became Sandman. Well, depending on which version you're looking at. Right. We're talking about the movie with Tobey Maguire. He became Sandman to protect his daughter. Right. Yeah, she was he sick money. And, he and, his... and he needed it. Yeah. That was it. Meanwhile, if you look at, like, comics or even the... Uh, spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. He just wanted to be noticed. He wanted a big score so he can get the attention that he never got. Right. He even says when Sandman dies in the comics, he literally just turns to sand. His body can no longer hold itself together. And he says that his mom would bring him to the beach to build sandcastles so she could make dr like drug deals and stuff. His mom never cared. The dad was out of the picture. He wanted people to care. That was it. Rhino became a villain because his wife was in trouble. Kingpin stopped being a villain because of his wife. And then his wife died and he became an even worse villain. Yep. His wife this and is the thing. He lost everything. 
this is the thing I love about Spider-Man, is he's not just, I'm going to swing in and beat up the bad guy. There's another really good moment in Ben Riley's Spider-Man. There's a villain called Carrion. He's got, like, acid fingers, and he can manipulate your brain and flood you with emotions that you don't want. And he's fighting Ben Riley's Spider-Man. And this is at a point where he wasn't sure if he was a clone or not. Peter just left for Portland with MJ. Ben is, like, on his own, trying to not fall into deep depression. And then this enemy shows up that spikes his anger, his depression, everything. And he's about to, like, cave in this dude's skull and goes, Wait, if I do this, nothing will change. He stops, he calms down, and he looks at Karrion and goes, Something is wrong. Let me into your head. Tell, show me what is wrong. And he like grabs his hand. His hand is burning because of the acid. The emotions are flooding through. And he realizes that Carrion, this villain, their mom just died. And he doesn't know how to process this grief. Interesting. So he lets it flood into Spider-Man. And he goes, hey, I've been there. I can help you brings him to the police, gets him in touch with a counselor, does all this stuff. That's the mantle of responsibility. You're not just the guy in bright red and blue spandex swinging around punching people. You have a power I, to help. I think that's what most people think about, though, when they think about Spider-Man, is they think about the red and blue suit. They think about him swinging, uh, you know, on his line, on his, you know, on his webs. And uh, they think about, you know, him beating up the bad guys and saving the day in that response, in that respect. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that many people, especially if you watch the movies, I mean, there is some concern about of the villain and, and everything. But the movies show more of the concern for the people that are in his life that he he cares about. So from that aspect, from the, the movie's standpoint, the mantle of responsibility isn't about the the bad guys. It's the mantle of responsibility is caring for his family. And caring for his community and making sure that his community isn't her harmed by by the bad guy that he's going to beat up because he has to. So Yeah. If if you couldn't guess, I really like the character. <laughs> We're picking up on that. It's okay. Uh that's all I right. I mean, you if we if we had a, a Star Wars centric episode where we were talking about all Star Wars, I'd be nerding out too. So it's all good. Actually, even in the movies, there's moments like that. In the Tobin Maguire one, when he's talking to Doc Ock. Like, he's getting beat up by Doc Ock at the mm -hmm. end of the movie, and is like, please, I can't stop this. You are a man of science. You need to think about the people that you care about. You True. need to think about how all of this happened. That is Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man right, has right power. Right as Doc Ock, when that's all happening, Doc Ock starts yelling at his arms, you know, mm -hmm. listen to me. Because he's now he's going to try and do what Spider-Man has asked him to do. Exactly. Right? Shut it down, this, yeah. This is the thing I love, is that Spider-Man has great power. He's got the strength, he's got the sticky hands, he's got all this stuff. Mm -hmm. There is power in everybody. Everyone has the power to be Spider-Man, because it's not just the sticky hands and strength. This is where Stanley says anyone could wear the mask because anyone can do the simple acts of kindness. 
we're going to the Andrew Garfield movies when that little kid is getting bullied. He mm-hmm. picks up the wind turbine, whips it back together, and goes, did you build this? That's really cool. You're an amazing scientist. Here, let, let me walk you home. That wasn't an Avengers-level threat. That wasn't a world-ending thing. But he had the power to make it better. Even if okay. it was just talking to someone. There's another run. I know we're getting close to the end of the time. There's another run. Or... Like, or Tom Holland Spider-Man, where he gave up his entire future, the love of his life, his best friends, just to make sure that the consequences of his actions wouldn't affect their futures. Exactly. Yeah. That was not a Spidey level, like, he couldn't punch that. Right. Right. Sometimes it comes down to thinking, to empathy, to caring about people. The, nice. One of the most emotional and like just heart wrenchingly painful things of Spider Man comics that I can remember. There was a kid who was getting into like a gang. They were going through an initiation and they couldn't go through with it because Spider Man showed up and stopped them from like robbing the building. Right. Spidey went to the kid and went, Hey, you are like 12. What are you doing? Like, oh, I'm no good at school. This is all that I have in life. This is whatever. So he lets the kid run home. Stops the bad guys. The mom goes to the kid's bedroom one night and then opens the door. And in the room is the kid studying math with Spider-Man. Peter is tutoring this kid to give him a future. Mm -hmm. And the worst part of this whole story is how it ends. Because the people that Spidey threw into the jail get out of jail and they blame the kid. Yeah, and of course. To sp- not going to go into what happens, but the ending panel is literally just Peter on top of a building, mask off, just bawling. I don't know. I think the future of our children is an Avengers-level threat. Absolutely it is. But it doesn't take Avengers-level superpowers to deal with it. That is true. I mean, me, I I would go to kids' birthday parties. I used to volunteer at kids' hospitals in a really, almost that, uh, <laughs> Andrew, almost your quality suit of, uh, of a Spidey suit. What are you I trying to say? There, huh? I, it's a great suit. It's a great suit for $30. Uh, but I, I used to go to kids' hospitals with that. Or just with anything and just be like, I'm Spider-Man, I'm Captain America, I'm I'm whatever. And just seeing these kids that are having the worst time ever just light up. I'm not a doctor. I can't cure their thing. I don't have superpowers to fight whatever's going on in their lives. But when I'm at Comic-Con and a toddler runs up to me and just goes, Spider-Man! Because they look at me and go, yep, that is the real Spider-Man. I have that great power and that responsibility, and so does everybody else. Right. And I think that's the major difference that di- that differentiates Spider-Man from every other superhero. Every other superhero focuses on how can I better attack the outside threat? Mm-hmm. While Spider-Man focuses on how can I teach people to protect themselves from this threat. 
that this is the main difference between I'm gonna help some random kid and like Tony Stark's suit of armor around the world kind of mentality. Right. I mean, even Captain Agreed. America, he does Captain America does amazing stuff with individual people, mm -hmm. but he's Captain America. There is a there is a like Grand Canyon level chasm between the every person and Captain America. Right. Whereas people have full on seen Spider Man rip his suit, get thrown into a wall, accidentally spill mustard on his costume. He's a he's a human being. That's what makes Spider Man so great is that they didn't leave out the humanity. Mm -hmm. Where so like many that. heroes are either metaphorical gods or literal gods. If we're talking about Thor, right? No, I get it. That's good. I like it. That's a great talk. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, yeah. If you want to find out more about Ben, you just go find him and and Hi, hello. you know, on uh, you know, Hardy Healer, uh, just Hardy underscore Healer, and just about every social media you'll find Ben out there. Uh, as a reminder, guys, um, if you haven't already, you need to sign up to win our loot. So we've got five of uh, these right here to give away. Go to fsfpopcast.com forward slash contact, and that will give you the opportunity to sign up for our email list. If you're part of our email list, we pick random emails every single month and give away stuff. This month, I've got five of these Blu-rays to give away. So within the next week, I'll be giving this out. So if you haven't signed up already, fsfpopcast.com forward slash contact and sign up for our monthly loot drawings. You can't win if you haven't signed up. Uh, and Grandier says, in case I missed your outro, thank you, Kathleen, Tim, Ben, and Andrew for the live stream and dialogue. Can't wait to hear more of your past and future interviews. Cheerio. Thank you, Grandier, for, for sticking around. Uh, have really enjoyed your involvement in the, with the show the yes. last Welcome last to our crazy, and thank you for sticking around for the whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm very hopeful you come back to more of our just unhinged. Oh, there's we're, we're, definitely unhinged. Coming. You want to do the Tobey Maguire dance? The amount of times that I just do everything of like the <laughs> I am not that flexible to do the the hip thrusts. But oh, I love I, it. I, I love, it. I love the meme. I love the meme so much that when you drop something and quickly grab it and mm. you just do the and you like try and do little webs and you're like, is it gonna is it gonna do a thing? Nice. Every uh, time I drop something, I quickly grab it and just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got some interviews coming up in the next couple weeks. These aren't going to be aired in the next couple weeks, but these are opportunities for you as our fans and listeners. If you have questions that you want to get in for these guys, uh, we'll do our best to try and get as many on as we can. There is Matt Lucas, who is the voice of Anakin Skywalker from uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, the 2D version. Uh, Matt Lanter is the Clone Wars, Disney, and uh, uh, Cartoon Network version. Uh, we have Bill Farmer coming up, which is the voice of Disney's Goofy. Michael Whitward, New York Times bestselling author and brother of Sam Whitward. And uh, yeah, Michael just sent us a couple of his books, and he was kind enough to autograph them as well, which was really cool. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. 
Uh, and then John Billingsley, who you may know from Star Trek Enterprise as Dr. Flox. So, yeah, we've got some really cool guests coming up. And, uh, yeah, so just some cool things coming up. Make sure that you guys are, are tuned in for that. If you want to get your questions in, uh, you can uh, comment on our Facebook page. I have that picture up. And you guys have opportunity to comment right there on that on our Facebook page for the FSF podcast. Uh, but yeah, uh, what happened last Friday, Kathleen? Lots of things, probably, but you haven't to talk about the one that you've got written up. One, though, there's one in specific that I'm waiting. There is, for. and it's actually really cool, <laughs> and I'm really proud of it. We are all really proud uh, of it. Last Friday, we aired our interview with Lexa Doig of shows like Andromeda, Arrow, and Stargate SG One. Alexa tells us about her life, her work on Andromeda and Stargate SG-1, along with her desire to be a Funko Pop. Mm -hmm. And how could we forget our conversations about the cat distribution system? It's real, and it delivers, whether or not you want it, and then you end up with a feral little house goblin that decides to jump on your shower curtain and swing on it like Tarzan to attack the cat in the litter box. <laughs> That's an you had the, the perfect setup, and you went with Tarzan? Because it's more Tarzan than Spider-Man. Fair. Spider-Man is a little more dignified. And I, I'd like to point out one of the reasons why we're so proud of this episode. This when the camera's is, rolling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this this episode went live Friday morning at 12.01 a.m. Since Friday morning until now, it is now our number one viewed episode ever, which is just insane. Um Lexa is amazing, and we are thrilled that she came on the show. Honestly, we could have her back once a week. We have so much that we we tried to squeeze into an hour of conversation with her because of how many cool things she has been a part of. Uh, like we only touched the surface of Stargate and Arrow and Andromeda and all that. Um, yeah, Lexa Doig is fantastic. Her mm -hmm. her interview is top notch, and she, by the way, uh, there's some stuff on our our Patreon uh, from her. That is just, she has a fantastic sense of humor that doesn't need to be scripted. She's just got it up there. She's she's very extremely quick-witted. So, Not to mention just, like, incredibly nice. Yeah, super, <laughs> super kind. Like, super sweet. Anyway. So, <laughs> uh, you can still find that episode of the FSF Podcast on our YouTube channel and your favorite audio podcast providers, such as Good Pods. Uh, uh, and remember, your subscription to our YouTube channel is a major help, so please don't forget to absolutely demolish that subscribe button. I have to do that <laughs> because I'm hoping that people will hit the like button. Uh, also, hit like and comment, subscribe. Uh, we love it that you watch our videos. It's so nice because the more you subscribe and the more you like and comment, the more we can do this. And That's we right. are... We are so close to our 1,000 subscriber mark on our YouTube channel. We're like right oh, there. Oh, oh, oh. We're like right there. Go subscribe, guys. What are you waiting for? Do it. <laughs> and yeah, we have we, I, some sort of celebration for the 1,000 subscribers since apparently Tim doesn't want to do a song and dance number anymore. How about we're, that? We ni we're at 962. We are 38 subscribers away from 1,000. When we said anybody can wear the suit and anyone can be Spider-Man, part of being Spider-Man is subscribing to this podcast. Mm -hmm. That's, That's a part of that part. great responsibility, yeah. That is. Absolutely. How about this? If we get to our thousandth subscriber, 
I will do a completely unhinged, like, fantastical rant about the Lord of the Rings oh, for oh. as long as Tim will allow it to exist. <laughs> this could be like a four-hour-long episode, but it's going to happen if we hit a thousand. I'm I'm down. I'm game. Absolutely. All right, and as a reminder, this upcoming Friday, and I, I'm not poo-pooing that idea, Ben. I really am game for that. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun. Super fun. Um, I said poo-poo. <laughs> uh, this upcoming Friday, uh, our guest is the amazing Kenny James, who is the longtime voice of the Koopa King, Bowser, for Nintendo video games. Uh, of course, uh, he was not in the movie because they got Jack Black to do it, and he was okay, I guess. Uh, but, you know. But we talked with to do the peaches song. Uh, actually, I would love to hear him do it. I think it would be great. Uh, but we talked with uh, the Koopa King about his work on anime because there's a ton of anime that he's involved with, which for some reason didn't show up on his IMDb register. Uh, but he's literally, if you look him up on any other uh voice actor type website, you will find. Just a hassle of of uh, anime projects that he's been involved in, according and uh, and also uh, we talked to him about the rumors of some work on some Doctor Who audio programs as well. There was a lot of cool ground that we covered with Kenny, amazing guy. But if you don't want to wait until next Friday, you should probably check out our Patreon page probably tomorrow night, and you will find uh, that interview, both audio and video. And we'll try and get the, um, if we have uh, any bonus behind the scenes clips, we'll try to get those up right away as well. But we focus on getting the, at least the uh, the early access stuff up as early as possible. So, uh, but yeah, so check that out tomorrow, uh, hopefully tomorrow night on our Patreon channel. And again, that link is at patreon.com forward slash FSF podcast. I have it on there? good authority that it's almost done being edited. Yeah, uh, I think we had the same authority talk to us. So, but yeah, probably that guy's that guy's that, guy, that guy's pretty cool. I like him. He's I. So, I think I'll keep he's him. I. Yeah. He's I. Yeah. Our ninth anniversary is next month. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's coming up. Um, yeah, and my twenty sixth is in two months. So there we go. Uh, Andrew, oh. hey, remind everybody about you and where to find you and why they should talk and go hear you talk to them. Yeah, so you can find me at the Atlanta Voice AtlantaVoiceOver.com or you can find my podcast at VOCoffeeshop.com. I really need you guys to go find it because while they have an editing team, I just have a cat that does all my marketing and he's not doing a great job. So, it, but yeah, VOCoffeeshop.com or AtlantaVoiceOver.com. You know, the fact that you got your cat, though, but mine just, you know, decides to sit on my keyboard. I mean, basically, I just make sure that the keyboard that he has always on the clipboard is my podcast. So some, whenever he jams uh, buttons, it, it'll go somewhere. Something is happening. That's right. going to be a very wonky edit, but that'd be so cool. I've gotten really weird comments on subreddits from it. <laughs> it's, like a, it it's somehow worse than like monkeys with typewriters. Oh, yes, because cats somehow are not. mental than monkeys. Somehow is <laughs> and somehow not. All right, guys, that's going to wrap fully us up. Leave, I want to show yes. the absolute ridiculousness that is this mask. Okay. Hang on. It's stuck. 
Beautiful. I saw your beautiful one eye. I I love doing that when people are just like, oh, you look so cool. Thanks. <laughs> oh, it deletes the background. No, that's okay. really creepy. Right. So one last thing, and then I'm gonna play, and then I'm gonna play the uh, our conclusion. So it, when that happens, and it's happened several times during, you know, the around your mm -hmm. head, the things go off. It looks like your spidey sense is going off, and it's really trippy. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Wait, so they, are they adjustable? Can you flip them upside down? They're magnets, so I mean, technically speaking, I can like just stick it to the. <laughs> See now it looks like Paisley. Hi, I'm Spinderman. Spooderman. <laughs> Spooderman got his face rearranged. Uh, hold on, my, I was Spooder dude. <laughs> oh, where'd it go? Oh god. Oh, <laughs> uh, your spidey sense said uh, your eyes. Wait, are you're stuck in a closet. And on that note, goodbye. <laughs> Bye, on behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast, oh, yeah. we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF Popcast, or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.